0: You can find them at megavoice.com or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Steve Edison, author of Pioneering Movements, and you're listening to the Engaging Missions show.
2: Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger.
0: In this week's episode of the Engaging Missions Show, we're going to hear from David Bruderick about how God called him from one particular model of ministry into another one and how God's been moving in his life and in his church since that time. As you can imagine, it could be difficult sometimes to move a church through a transition like what he's been through. And so he's shared with us a little bit about that. Scott McClelland of FX Missions is also going to start a new series with the leadership moment where he's going to talk about security in missions. I think that's going to be really valuable. And I I I also did want to mention that we are in the process of launching the Leadership Moment as its own podcast. So keep your eyes and ears open for that, because that will be coming in the next few weeks. I think that's going to be really good. With that, we're going to get into this week's interview. All right, let's get started. Today, we have David Brudrick on the line. He's living in South Africa. He's involved in church planting type ministry, and he's connected to people such as Troy Cooper and Sean Steckbeck, who you may remember from previous episodes of the show. And with that, David, welcome to the show. Hi, and thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's an honest pleasure to have you here. It's I know it's been a little bit of time coming as far as the two of us connecting, and, you know... I also understand that this is probably not the highest priority because you've got a ministry that God's called you to. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I've given a little tiny introduction, but most of our listeners aren't going to know a whole lot about you. So can you share with us maybe a little bit about your family and, and who you are, what it is that you do?
1: Okay. Um, my name is David uh, uh, You In Afrikaans, you'd spell it, you'd say um, Broderick. Um. I live in South Africa. I'm married. I have two children. Uh, my daughter, my daughter is now out the house. So she's 19, and my son is 17, and so um, they're pursuing God's call for their lives. Um, I've been in ministry for over 25 years, just pursuing God, um, pursuing His call on on my life, and since I've been married and with a family, His His call on our lives together. And so that has led me on a long and interesting journey of um, what ministry means, what ministry means for me, what, what God specifically wants us to do, and what it would really take to reach people, um, what it would take to to fulfill the Great Commission. So that's that's who I am in a nutshell, and that's the journey that I've been
0: on. Yeah, so you mentioned a little bit about this journey where God's been revealing to you what ministry is and and... What ministry is to you specifically? Would you mind sharing with us a little bit about that journey, how God's moved in your life over the years?
1: Sure. Um, I came out of Bible college, seminary, and went into pastoral work. And um, initially was assistant pastor, and then uh, started planting churches. I had a real desire to reach people to fulfill the Great Commission, and. As I got involved in planting churches, I left the church that I was um, helping to pastor and started a church myself, um, and that, that new church grew, and it was in a, in a city in an area called Midrand. Um, some of your listeners might know a little bit about South Africa, so uh, two of the big cities are called Johannesburg and Pretoria, and they really have joined, they really have merged together into one large city of about 14 million people. And I'm in the very center of that is an area called Midrand where I stay. So I'm surrounded by about 14 million people. And I moved here to this area uh, to really, I think the Lord kind of showed me movement, but I didn't really have any language for it. And so I just wanted to see a, a move of God through people reaching people. And that to, be, to see that exponentially grow and expand, I had no idea how to do that. Church was my only setting. And um, so when we arrived here, we, we thought we were starting a movement, but we really started a church. Mm. And after a couple of years, we looked around and we were, we were basically on the same path of, as every other church around us. And that's not a bad path. Um, it just wasn't the path that God had us on. And so I, I remember the one morning, it was a Sunday morning, I woke up and um, turned to my wife and, and I said to her, honey, something's very, very wrong. And she said to me, what's wrong, David, what's wrong? And I added words that today I'm ashamed of, but that's, that's what I said that morning. I said, I hate church and I'm the pastor. And so something's wrong. <laughs> you know, something yeah. isn't right. I, I knew enough to know that this was a problem. And uh, so I went off to church that morning—the church that we'd started. Um, it was three or four years old, uh, pushing on a hundred people. We were growing. We were looking at land and buildings and all that, all that stuff. And I went to church that morning, and I remember preaching, but I don't remember what I said. Because as I was speaking to the people, in my mind, I I kind of went up into the sky, and I looked down on the city, just in my imagination, I looked down in the city that I was standing in the middle of. At that stage, it was 10 million people, and I was surrounded by 10 million people. And I asked myself a question that I'd never asked myself in my life. And the question that I asked myself was, is what I'm doing right now? Ever going to significantly impact the lives of 10 million people? And the answer was no. I I knew that um, I could grow a church successfully. I knew I could get to, you know, 2,000 people, 4,000 people, 10,000 people, even 50,000 people, but it would still not impact 10 million people. And uh, I asked myself something I'd never asked. I said, what would it take to reach the lives to significantly impact 10 million people? And that question fundamentally changed my life. Um, Up until that point, I'd been asking, um, how can I grow my church? And for the first time, I asked myself, how can I reach my city? And I realized that they were two fundamentally different questions that had two very different outcomes and two very different paths that I had to travel. And so I I came back home, and um, I booked leave. I said to my wife, I said, something is stirring deeply in me. I don't know what's happening. Um, I'm confused. On, On the one hand, I deeply dislike what I'm doing. On the other hand, God is calling us into something, and I have to figure this out. So I took leave the next day. And we traveled down to an area not far from here, about eight hours drive. We stopped the car, and I said to my wife, please unpack the bags and take the children, and I'm going. And I I literally stopped the car. I turned around, I walked into the street, and I started walking. And I started speaking to God. And I said, God, I'm not even going to bed tonight until you speak clearly to me. Um, I was in that much distress at the, by that time, and I hadn't walked very far, and I I felt the Lord clearly saying to me some very simple words. He said, "You're not doing what I told you to do." And at that point in time, I realized that um, I was called to start a movement. I didn't know what it meant. I had no idea, I had no frame of reference for it whatsoever. But instead, I'd I'd basically done what everyone else around me had done. I'd started a church that looked like every other church. And although there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, in fact, it's it's fantastic that we've got you know so many churches and people mm-hmm. doing what they do. <clears throat> God's call in my life was different, and I had that fear and, and the fear of what people think, the fear of uh, the consequences, the the fear of financial security. Um, all kinds of things cloud my obedience to what God called me to do. And so it wasn't so much about church or not church. It was about what God had called me to do. So we went back home again, and we made a radical shift in our life, and we started to pursue disciple-making movements. At that stage, we didn't have language for it. Um, I I was just blindly pursuing what I felt was the call of God in our lives. And we took a blind step of faith into into nothing at that stage, and uh, began to pursue what we're in, currently involved in today.
0: So, as you think about the the process that God led you through, as far as you know, some of the discomfort that you went through, and then God's leading um, and, and His insight in that time, would you change any part of that?
1: Well, at the time, I would have told you I'd love to change. Um, <laughs> The pain and the discomfort and everything. Um, today, I don't think I would change any of it. I, I think the the pain, the questioning, the the search for for meaning, for God's call in our lives, uh, the struggle in every way. Um, I think the loneliness, uh, all of that was God's preparation. I think that is God's training ground, and uh, I don't think I'd change any of it
0: today. And the church that you were leading at the time, did you transition out of that church? Did Were you able to take the uh, the, the body that you had and uh, move in a different direction? How how did God move in that?
1: Because it was a, a relatively new church plant, um, and it was still relatively small, uh, we decided that we were going to try and take the church with us. Mm-hmm. And, um, we didn't really have the strength of leadership and eldership to hand it over and say gracefully, you know, you carry on, we'll go a different direction. Um, which is, you know, what I probably advise most pastors to do. Um, but we were at a place where we felt we wanted to go forward with the church. And so we actually went on a 12 month journey with the church to transition it into movement. And, I realized fully that we wouldn't take everyone with us. And so I was in a strong relationship with different churches and pastors in my city. And uh, I basically spoke to people and said, if if you don't feel that, you know, you want to go on this journey, because realistically, people had joined our church because they liked the way it was. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to change. And we were changing it. And so I said, well, you know, we're changing it. This is where we're going. And if if this is not where you feel you're called to go, then I'm happy to introduce you to the other churches, the other leaders, help you find a home. Um, But this is the direction that we're taking. And those that want to go with us can go with us. And we we went into the the next year with about 40% of the people. Wow. And the rest of them we had uh, helped to, to transition to other spiritual homes.
0: You know, I I would suspect that a lot of people would hear that kind of thing. You know, this is where we're going if if you uh if you don't feel called in this direction, then we're happy to connect you with somebody else as being heavy handed. But I appreciate the grace that I hear in your voice when you talk about your care for the people and your desire for them to be connected with God the way He's designed them. I, I just think that's wonderful. Um do you have maybe a key scripture that's kind of guided your life and your ministry?
1: Oh, I, I guess there are many. Um, I, I think that the the one call, the one thing that has really pulled me is what would it take to reach my city, which has grown into what would it take to reach the cities of the world. Um, the other thing that really has spoken loudly to me is uh, Acts four in Acts chapter four, when they looked at Peter, and John, they saw their boldness. They realised that they were unschooled and ordinary men, but that they had been with Jesus. And as we've begun to to ask ourselves, what would it really take to reach the cities of the world? Um, We do not have enough seminaries. We don't have enough professional pastors. We don't have enough preachers to get the job done. And it's just helpful for me to see that from even from Scripture, right from the, the early pages of Acts, that God was at work through ordinary and unschooled men who had been with Jesus. And so movements, disciple-making movements, gospel movements, the movements that we're involved in uh, are not about professionals, but they're about equipping and releasing and empowering ordinary and unschooled people who, out of their love for Jesus and out of their time with Jesus, are able to love other people and uh, spread the gospel from person to person to person until cities are
0: reached. Wow. That's powerful. I appreciate you sharing with that. With that, we are going to need to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus and we're going to focus a little bit more on the specifics of the ministry. Okay.
2: Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions.
3: Hi, it's Scott McClelland. Thanks for joining us for the Leadership Moment. I'm going to take several sessions here and talk to you about what I consider to be security and leadership, and it comes from something that happened to me or that I went through. It was a real test of my leadership uh, and uh, maybe a revealer of it as well uh, from 2010. So I'm going to take several sessions and just talk about security and leadership and how things uh, can develop and and, you know, just some ideas about ways to Stay focused and, and move forward. Security and leadership will be the theme, and this will be number one. Um, you know, sometimes in leadership we find ourselves in situations where we believe we're being faithful and following the Lord closely. And at the same time, um, people who are impacted by our lives or who are affected by our influence see our actions and our direction as being against them. Not only generally speaking, but sometimes very directly against them. Um, I think we got to be careful at that point not to congratulate ourselves or, as the Bible says, wrestle with flesh and blood. We've got to be careful not to justify ourselves and to walk in humility because I think that's the first trap of, uh, following the Lord is that your pride for following Him can get in and mix you up. So you want to be careful about that. But what happens, what should you do when you are following Jesus from a position of influence and people who are subject to your influence are uh, rebuffing or, or saying, wow, this is a negative surprise where we're going. That's what I want to talk about over the next several leadership moments and hopefully it'll be a blessing to you i'm scott mcclellan with fx missions if you'd like to contact me or us please do so at fxmissions.com on most social media outlets thanks for joining us keep an eye out for the ones coming and have a good one
2: this leadership moment was produced in partnership with engaging missions have your leadership question answered by contacting Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit fxmissions to learn more about how you can grow your leadership and engage in missions. Visit engagingmissions.com for encouragement, insight, and resources from missionaries, ministry leaders, and church planters.
0: All right, we're back with David Brudrick. We just heard a, some amazing stories about how God's moved in his life, about how God took him from one type of ministry and then transitioned him and walked him with such grace toward the people that were in the church as they shifted their direction. He also shared a little bit about from Acts 4 about how God used unschooled men and and the the need for people who are able to share the gospel. And so with that, David, I'd like to kind of shift our focus toward the ministry. Would you share a little bit more about how God is using unschooled people to accomplish his will?
1: Yes. Well, um, as we got into this journey, um, I realized that that's what we needed to do. We needed to train ordinary people. And um, that it, actually, we're all ordinary. <laughs> and uh, the world is pretty flat. <laughs> Uh, and there are some things that just make us very common to each other. Um, and so I began to travel around my country, South Africa, and just began to train. I began to train people how to make disciples. The the scripture that impacted me at that stage was, was Matthew 18, the Great Commission. Sorry, Matthew 28, mm-hmm. verses 18 to 20. And uh, Jesus says, go. And I, I began to sit with people and say, what does that mean? I mean, what does go mean? Hmm. And are we going? Are we, are we are we responding to this? Are we being obedient to this? And, and if not, why not? And by the way, you're not accountable to me for the answer. You're accountable to Jesus for the answer. And so what does it mean? What does it mean to you? I know what it means to me, but what does it mean to you? And make disciples. And so what does that mean? Uh, what, is it, what is a disciple? What does it mean to make disciples? What does it mean to you? Are you are you doing it? Um, and and what is Jesus telling you to do? What is what is God stirring in your heart right now when you read that passage of scripture? And so we began to to just look through that passage and ask people the difficult questions, um, and and have them respond to that in groups and begin to live out in obedience to that. What God was stirring in their hearts without. Without being directive, without being prescriptive, without telling them exactly what they should be doing or how they should be doing it, but allowing them to respond in obedience to what God has called them to do. And so I, I literally booked a couple of airplane tickets, flew to places around the country where I didn't know anybody, um, found people, started having these discussions and mobilizing. Uh, In the beginning stages, mobilizing Christians to be obedient to the Great Commission, just ordinary people. And that's how we started what we're doing today.
0: Wow, that's that's great. And you know, those are really challenging questions. Do you have, as you point people toward the Great Commission, and you ask them, you know, how do you see God moving in this? Do you have any other scriptures or foundations that you use to help people make decisions that are actually led by God rather than just by you know desires or fears or things like that?
1: Well, we've we've got lots of scriptures. I mean, our basic process (laughs) is. Our basic process is scripture only rather than scripture based. Okay. so uh, a lot of training is scripture based in other words they they if, when you read it somebody has written a ton of material and they say these are the scriptures that show you that what I've written is based on scripture. Um, our training is scripture only, which means that I don't come to you with materials I've written I come to you with the scripture. And I'll ask you a couple of questions around the scripture itself, and the basic questions are: What does the scripture mean? Sorry, what does the scripture say? What does the scripture mean? And if this is true, uh, what do you what do you plan to do about it? And then, who do you plan to share what you're learning? And those are the basic passages. Um, those are the basic questions we ask around any passage that we share with people. And we let people respond in groups in obedience to the Scripture itself. And we found that the Word of God is living and active and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword <laughs> and accomplishes way more than all the training materials and books that I ever wrote in my life. I I took most of them and burned them, to be honest. <laughs> mm.
0: So as as you think about the the ministry that you have and the people that you're training, a lot of these are as we would call them, unschooled people. Do you, Are there any specific challenges that come with working with people who are so new to the faith or so new to Scripture?
1: To be honest, my biggest challenges are with um, trained leaders. Uh-huh. Um, my biggest challenges are with Christians that have very set paradigms and understandings that uh, often have been trained in a knowledge-based Christianity rather than obedience-based Christianity um, that have been trained in a a system of Christianity that teaches people to almost disobey by um, giving people knowledge over and over and over, more and more and more knowledge, without ever asking the difficult question, what do you intend to do about this? How, How does this really apply to your life? And and really discipling people at a heart level and helping them to apply Christianity to their lives. And so I think some of our biggest challenges are people that have a lot of knowledge but no application. Uh, There we see a lot of resistance. But really with, with ordinary people, with unschooled people, and even people that don't know Jesus yet, we see an incredible amount of receptivity. And people that are hungry and willing to learn and grow and change and implement and follow Jesus in very practical ways. So our greatest challenge comes with, um, and it sounds terrible to say this, I, I hate saying it, but it's the truth. Our biggest problem is with Christians.
0: Oh, I, I wouldn't disagree. I wouldn't disagree. I've actually heard that from, uh, another guest that had been on the show. And my question to him specifically was, so that means that I'm probably not your ideal person. I was raised in the church. I went to a, a Bible-based school. I'm, you know, I, I I would be a challenge. Have you found any keys to helping people overcome these years of a different paradigm? I,
1: I think that, um, we, we don't change through knowledge. We don't change through um, training. We don't change through teaching. We don't dare I say it. We usually don't even change through preaching. Um, we change when we wrestle with things in communities and look at each other honestly and um, transparently. And we, we truly at a heart level say, uh, is this something that is applied in my life? Is it not? If it's not, then it's not about judgment. It's about grace. It's about saying, how can I help you to be obedient to what God's put in your heart? Um, I, I, don't want, I don't have any right to judge anybody, but I have a, a, an obligation to make disciples. And Jesus tells us how to make disciples in Matthew 28. He says, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And so obedience is central to the Great Commission. And so we have a, an obligation to help one another, to be obedient to what Jesus told us to do. And we want to do that with love and with grace and in community and with support. But we never want to take that away and become knowledge-based to the degree that we we know a lot, but we don't love our neighbor or we don't serve people um, and we don't reach the lost.
0: Wow. You you mentioned some of the the challenges. As as I think about the life of somebody who's in in a ministry type thing, like what you're doing, it seems like sometimes there could be also discouragement. Have you found anything that encourages or strengthens you in those times?
1: Just keep on going on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Remarkably simple and yet true, right?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I, in, when we first started, I had, uh, I couldn't find anybody that was doing what we were doing. I actually kind of had an Elijah moment. I told God, I'm the only person on the planet, which is not true. Mm. Um, but I said, you know, you can't possibly expect me to do this. You know, nobody else is doing this. And my only frame of reference was the people I knew. But as I became obedient to God, um, he brought people into my life and, there have been lots of people that have acted as mentors and supported me and helped me and and so sometimes the initial stages of obedience are tough because you can't find anybody else that you know has that in common but as you begin to take those steps of obedience god begins to bring those people into your life that can that can mentor that can help that can assist and then it's important to listen to them and not to be stuck on a on a vision that you've got in a mountain somewhere and you say this is the only way mm. but to be open and teachable to the you know with the people around you so today the entire movement is built on ordinary people but it's built on teams of ordinary people everything that we do is in team and we, we refuse to build around individuals we refuse to um have isolated people Groups of people that are, you know, just doing things alone because we feel that it's extremely important that we um, learn together, that we build supportive environments for people. And that as we get people to, to put into practice what Jesus told them, that there is support around them, that, that there's a supportive environment around them. And so everything that we do today is in team. I'm in a team. I'm accountable to teams, teams speaking to my life. Uh, We have uh, strong mentoring lines that run through the entire movement, through the entire work. So there is probably a deeper level of leadership than I ever had um, in the type of church circle that I was involved in before.
0: Wow, that's that's really great. I, I appreciate you sharing that. With that, we are going to need to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to shift our focus one last time more toward uh, the listener and some resources that you might have available.
2: Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission show.
4: All I could do was say, okay, God, I can do it with my mouth. Please help my heart and mind to follow suit. Because I'm not feeling it. If you're, if I'm going by my emotions here, I certainly do not want to forgive. And I, there's just nothing in me, not even a speck. And so every time it would come up in my mind, it's like, no, I've forgiven them. Jesus, I've forgiven them in your name. It's in your hands. I just plead the blood over it. And that's how it would continuously be. And believe it or not, I would find myself at the three-month mark usually, because it would come up often. The hurt, because the hurt comes back up. Uh, The person might still be treating you badly. And uh, by the three-month mark, usually my heart is so broken for them, I'm crying and praying for them. Just like God said, pray for your enemies. I'm crying and praying for them that they will be able to experience God um, because they're not realizing the hurt that they're causing others.
2: If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Missions show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe.
0: Okay, we're back with David Brudrick if if you missed the last part of the interview you'll definitely want to go back and hear what he shared about some of the uh, the ways that God's moved in his life and ministry and the strength of a leadership that he team that he's gotten uh built because of the specific way that they've approached their ministry now david i know that most of the people who are connected to this show are living in the united states or in in north america and they're, they care deeply about missions and ministry, but they feel called into the marketplace, sometimes in that situation it can start to feel like what we do really doesn't matter. What would you share with somebody who is in the marketplace and starting to wonder, does what I do really matter for the kingdom?
1: I, I would say that every single one of us is surrounded by people that um, we have a major influence with. I say to everybody in the movement, you're surrounded by people that will never meet me. And even if they listen to a sermon by me or they download an audio interview by me, it's not going to impact their life as much as your life because you're directly connected to them. So I think the first thing that every single one of us has an obligation to do um, is basically what Paul says, to live by the Spirit. It's to, to live out the life of Christ on a daily basis with the people around us. But I think that at the same time, we have an obligation to share Jesus with them. The way that we do that is we don't um, force people to try and share a brief packaged um, kind of a marketing presentation of the gospel. Um, But we say to people, you should be growing. You should be learning. God should be working in your life. And what we challenge people to do is to share what God is doing in their lives at any point in time. That's the first point of sharing. And the easiest way to do that is with a question um, or with a statement that really creates curiosity. So just looking at somebody and saying, you know, something has really changed in my life recently. And then going silent or saying, you know, I've really learned something powerful that has changed me recently. And then going silent and just dropping that statement Invite the person to say, so what has happened or what has learned? And then you can say, well, I'm so glad you asked, and you can share with them, and don't, don't push the gospel at them. Rather, share what God is doing in your life. That's what's attractive, that is our own testimony. And so uh, living the life of Christ uh, in the workplace, in the marketplace, on a day-to-day basis, uh, is absolutely critical. I think that's the fundamental place where the gospel really expands. We tend to think it's in our crusades, in our rallies, in our churches, but the gospel really spreads in the marketplace where it's life on life and people that are living the life of Christ on a daily basis and, and shining him to the people around them.
0: What would you share with somebody who's realizing that the world is changing and that the people who surround them are no longer people just from their own culture, but are from a broad base of other cultures?
1: I'd say that's a, that's a global phenomenon. It's uh, in every city around the world is becoming cosmopolitan. Uh, people are moving around like never before. Um, obviously, that is being helped along by all kinds of uh, political shifts. Um, there are, there's violence and, and refugee things happening. It's, and this is a global scale. It's happening all around us. I think when Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, we often miss the fact that he's talking, he's telling a story that crosses cultures. Mm. He, he's telling a story of, of uh, well, to a Jewish audience about a Samaritan person. And he's telling the story of the importance of us crossing those barriers as believers, as followers of Jesus, crossing those barriers to love those that are not like us. And so I think it's extremely important. And this often gets clouded by the politics. Um, In South Africa, there's enormous tension around race right now Mm. and um, people of different color uh, in the political realm are throwing stones at each other and becoming defensive on both sides of the fence. And we often ask ourselves, what is our obligation in this? And, you know, we can get into that boxing ring and we can begin to fight that fight. But really my obligation in that is to ask myself, what does Jesus want to do through me for the Zulu man that lives down the street or the Koza man or the, the person who's of a different culture that I meet in the shopping mall? How does God want me to respond to him or to her? And what act that can I do that breaks down that wall between us. And so I think it's it's absolutely critical that we get past the politics and we ask ourselves just in our daily lives, who is the person or who are the people that God wants me to approach and love, like he tells us in the Good Samaritan story, love across cultures in order to break those walls. And I think in a, in a culture like North America and in some ways South Africa, That still has a large Christian influence. If every believer did that, we would change the climate um, of that nation.
0: You mentioned reaching out to somebody of another culture, somebody who's near you. Sometimes that can feel a little bit scary. Have you found any keys to overcoming that fear?
1: Oh, the the best way to overcome fear is to do it anyway. (laughs) You know, I don't know if you've ever bungee jumped, but if you stand at the top of that bridge or mountain um, and you're not scared and there isn't some fear, then you probably have something wrong with you. Um, Fear is just, it's just, that's what, it's natural. Um, And and we just look for opportunities. Just look for opportunities. Um, I, one of the favorite things I like to do is stand in a shopping mall line And what often happens in our country is that people that are not from my cultural background, but a different cultural background, they stand in that shopping line and they've loaded their arms with groceries and they get to the till and they find out that they don't have enough money to pay for all the groceries. Mm. And so they tend to put the groceries aside and choose the ones that they, that they can afford. And I love to get, try and spot those people stand behind them, and step up and say to the tool worker, "Don't worry, put it through. I'll pay for everything." And that has such a profound impact on both the person who's the recipient of the giving, but also the the, the worker at the tool. Uh, everybody, sometimes the entire shop stands still, and and just they can't um, they can't believe what they're seeing um, for various reasons. But one of the reasons being that that incredible act that public act that's happening is crossing cultures Mm. and it's just uncommon in our country it's just not that common and so those kind of things are are incredibly powerful and they're actually easy to do when you when you look for opportunities and you say um, where are the opportunities where are the places where i can step in where i can actually take that action sometimes it's just a smile and a hug but where i can take that, that step um, to show the love of Christ and then share the love of Christ. And that's the one that people often struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sharing the love of Christ again, like I say, is it's, it's not trying to run through a formula or a marketing presentation. It's not trying to get a person through a certain uh, barrier or to a certain place in 30 seconds or in five minutes. Um, I think sharing the love of Christ is sharing what God is meaning, what he means and what he's doing in my life right now, and allowing that to attract people and bring them closer.
0: Is there a a resource or a book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners?
1: Um, We we are in the process of writing a lot of that down. Um, We are trying very, very hard Um, to have an adaptive approach to our training and our learning, which means that we have certain core things, but we allow teams on the ground to adapt and to grow and to learn all the time. Um, We're currently involved in cities across Southern Africa, so there's 14 countries, um, in East and West Europe and in North America. So we have teams in all those places. And the way to connect to that, um, currently what, what we go under, the word we go under is Accelerate. Mm-hmm. And so if you type in Accelerate Training into Facebook, you'll find our Facebook page. Uh, there's also an AccelerateTraining.org, which has an existing training site, which is being um, updated right now. So by the time your listeners listen, it may be, it may be updated. So AccelerateTraining.org or Accelerate Training into Facebook, two of the easiest places to connect to us.
0: Excellent. And for those who are listening, we'll definitely make sure that all of these are linked up in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash David Brudrick. Now, David, we're just about done. Would you mind sharing with us maybe one last piece of advice or guidance and a way for people to connect with you? Then we'll say goodbye.
1: I I would say anybody who wants to um, step forward and say, I I, want to do something with my life. um, We have these enormous barriers in our mind and somehow we've professionalized Christianity and made it unreachable uh, i want to say to you that my oldest disciple maker is uh, 98 years old that my youngest disciple maker is 8 years old mm. that um, i have an 8 year old girl who is leading and discipling her friends in a park in a in an area that is known for gang violence and um, just a whole bunch of terrible things, drugs and violence and all kinds of things. If an eight-year-old girl can do it, then all of us can do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not difficult. Um, it's just a matter of being obedient and sharing the love of Christ and sharing you know, the words of Christ, the Scripture, with people. It's not forcing things on people but asking them very simply, if this is what Jesus said, how could you live this out? And what are the implications for your life?
0: And if somebody wants to connect with you, is AccelerateTraining.org the best place for them to connect?
1: That would be the best place. That has links directly to my personal um, laptop and the Facebook page as well.
0: Excellent. Well, David, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate it. This has been wonderful.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Thanks for listening to The Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to The Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting EngagingMissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.